you can do local recordings now. So it's been uploading your audio and video the entire time we've been doing this. I was wondering why I got that pop up. Yeah. Well, actually, Blake's is the only one that says you have low disk space. So uh, <laughs> we might be, <laughs> might be here all night. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. It's Bourbon Community Roundtable number 76. And this one I'm excited to talk about because at this point, you're well aware we're building a brand and that requires choosing the right distribution partners. And the big shakeup of the past few weeks is that Sazerac is pulling out of a Republic National Distributing Company in favor of more smaller, mid-tier and beer-focused distributors in around 30 different states. So we want to ask the roundtable a few different questions. First, what would motivate Sazerac to break up this long-standing relationship? And if you're a distributor that got selected, what problems are you going to experience? And lastly, as a consumer, are we going to see any change, like finding Pappy on the shelf at MSRP? Uh, spoiler alert, that answer is probably not. And since it's the first roundtable of 2023, we want to put in our predictions and see what the future holds for bourbon this year. Well, with that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Jordan Ferguson, who writes me on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. I know many people don't participate in Dry January for various reasons, but for those of us who do, it's a struggle to do non-alcoholic spirits that are any good. Do you have any that you would recommend? Uh, well, Jordan, I actually just did a video of this on uh, on my YouTube channel. You can go check that out. So let me just say, uh, Dry January, for those not familiar, it came about because someone realized how much better they felt when they took a break from drinking alcohol, and it kind of caught on, and the industry really thoroughly supports it. But basically, it is a, it's kind of a reset button for a lot of people in the industry, and I fully support it. Most of the spirits companies fully support it. If you don't do it, that, that's fine too. But uh, there are a lot of um, a lot of brands that are kind of popping out that are spiritless. I did find one, and this is the one I reviewed recently. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's called uh, Kentucky 74, the spiced uh, non-alcoholic uh, cinnamon whiskey. And I think the reason why I like this is because I can't stand cinnamon whiskey. And so cinnamon whiskey, obviously, is fireball, you know, jack fire, et cetera. And um, I think it's called jack fire. Anyway, cinnamon jack. I don't know. I don't even know what Jack Daniels calls their cinnamon whiskey. That's how much I don't pay attention to it. But uh, when I tasted this, it reminded me of a really nice spiced tea. Like it reminded me of some of those kind of like uh, like chives that you get. Uh, really spicy, very cinnamon forward. And, and frankly, you can have this in your cocktail glass and be like, oh, this is quite nice. And then, you know, you could also say, you know what? It might make for one heck of a cocktail ingredient, which, you know, I'm tasting this. I'm like, you know, this would be very good as kind of like a um like an additive to an added to the vermouth in a in a Manhattan. And so like now I kind of want to have it in a Manhattan. 
So at any rate, that would be my recommendation for you, Jordan. Go look for the Kentucky 74 Spiced Cinnamon Whiskey. Uh, I mean, you know, throw something I didn't do. Throw a, throw a twist of uh, orange. I bet that'd be very tasty. That's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you're like Jordan, you want to have your own Above the Char read on the air, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button, send me your question, and if I like it, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another brand new episode of Bourbon Pursuit. And this is, of course, the Bourbon Community Roundtable. Kenny and Ryan here tonight. Fred said he was ending his streak, but I don't think he was on a streak. He's, he's off and on. It's what it seems like. But <laughs> either way, uh, we are excited to be able to kind of come in. We have we have one big topic to talk about. And since it is also the first episode of the new year, that always means that we're going to go and look into our crystal ball and figure out what we're going to get wrong because we're going to go back in December and figure out did any of it actually come true. So we'll end the show talking about some 2023 predictions. And so we'll kind of dig into our, our idea bucket here and see what we come up with. We really didn't need Fred because every year he predicts that four roses are going to get bought out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, uh, oh, for like, I don't know, whenever he joined us over oh, six. I mean, yeah. 
you keep you keep hoping and one day it might come true but it's not really a prediction if you just keep putting the same thing down every year that's saying like we want to grow by one and a half percent right yeah he's like, just he's gonna die on that hill that four roses <laughs> will get acquired yeah and I, I will put it out here is that we can't say as a 2023 prediction that oh there will be some big acquisition because there's always some big acquisition so we got to narrow the scope a little bit that was it always seems like we just like always oh, throw a blanket statement out there. But let's yeah. go ahead and let's let's kind of get this kicked off here. So the first topic that I want to talk about and bring this up, and I usually have some notes, but I'm kind of going all by memory here, is the one that has kind of really been talked about over the past few weeks. And it made a lot of national headlines everywhere. And there were a lot of other topics out there about Sazerac leaving Republic National Distributing Company in around 30 different states. Now, they didn't really go too much into detail into the press release. Go figure. They want to kind of keep things a little hush-hush. That's, that's perfectly understandable. I did send an email to Mark Brown afterwards asking him about his opinion into this as well. And he respectfully declined to comment on anything, which was very nice of him. But at least he answered the email. But as we go through here, we start looking and start picking apart exactly Sazerac leaving Republic. And I want to take it and break it down into three different sections here. And so the first section that we're going to talk about is what does this mean for Sazerac? Then we'll talk about what does this mean for Republican just distributors in general? And then we'll talk about what does this mean to the end consumer? Because a lot of people are looking at this and go, oh, great, I'm going to get more Pappy and Eagle Rare is going to be on the shelf. And we'll talk about that and probably tell you why you're wrong. But as we get through here, I think we should probably start at the top and talk about what does this really mean for Sazerac? And I'll kind of kick it off and I'll push it over to you all a little bit. There has been a lot of good speculation out there. And the one thing that immediately came to mind, and I said this on This Week in Bourbon last week, is that Sazerac has almost become like Bud Light. It doesn't really need to have a salesperson anymore. And as a Bud Light representative or as somebody that's a distributor, somebody that owns that particular SKU, they're just an order taker. They go into a store, they see where it's depleted, they go and they bring in more. They don't have to sit there and try to get more placements in stores or anything like that. So as a distributor, typically they always work on around 25% margin or something around there. Well, depending on how big you are, you can negotiate that term to get down even lower. And I'm assuming that's exactly what happened with this as well, is that Sazerac took this as an opportunity to say, well, I can go and find another smaller regional distributor that will go ahead and they'll take five to 10 points less. And when that happens at the scale that they're at and the scale that they're going to be, you're talking about millions and millions of extra dollars that will be back on their books instead of actually having to go to distributor because it needs, it doesn't need any selling at that point. If they come out with the next crazy version of whatever, we'll put a 2023 prediction, like what's going to be the new EH Taylor edition this year, you know, like something like that, that is not going to need any selling. And for the most part, even standard Buffalo Trace doesn't need that as well. So I kind of look at that as a as an interesting way to be able to do this. But I also kind of want to get your all's thoughts. Is this a right? Is it a good move for Sazerac? Was this a big shakeup? Is this something that we could see trickle into other types of big dogs? If you're going to talk about the Heaven Hills, the Centauri's of the world, and stuff like that too. 
Yeah, I mean, so I think there's a few different ways to look at it. First, you know, like Kenny said, it could just be a pure business thing. Um, but RDC is a really big company. And so I imagine there's a lot of just ease of working with the same company in 40 different states or whatever it is. You know, RDC is one of the biggest privately held companies in the country. Like that's that's not bourbon, that's not whiskey, that's any privately held business RDC is in the top. So there's some efficiencies there that, I imagine they could have given Sazerac. RDC is also under investigation, I guess you'd say, for um, you know some things like bribes and other things to suppliers. We all talk about it on the show. It's like, oh, you want Pappy? Go sell a bunch of Wheatley vodka. So you, you know, you can look at it as like a conspiratory thing as well. Like, is is Sazerac just trying to distance themselves from that whole thing? You know. While that hasn't made major news, it still keeps popping up pretty consistently. So I think it could be a bigger deal than we think. Was your thought right there that they want to distance themselves from unfair practices? Was that what you're correct? Implying? Yeah, okay. yeah. Th- that that would be my thought. You know, and like my uh, attorney Brian would say, this is all speculation, and I'm doing this for the entertainment entertainment of our discussion. But yeah, I mean, you know the bourbon world thinks of them as the company that uh, is always like the one who, Hey, buy Wheatley vodka, buy fireball. You'll get Pappy, you'll get stag, whatever it may be. You'll get Blanton's. And then you have the distributor you work with get investigated by the TTP, the IRS, and there may have been one other agency on there. It's like, uh, maybe we need to kind of distance and spread ourselves out a little bit because to me, it doesn't seem like a business move. Like RDC would be able to cut the best possible deal and give them the easiest way to operate. But then again, we've seen this happen multiple times too. You know, Beans left distributors, other brands have left distributors. But for some reason, to me, this seems like it could be a little more than just that. So, and I guess another question to you is if you know other brands like Beam and stuff leave distributors. Why is it something like this makes more waves inside of media circles? Is it just because it's Sazerac and I, I think because it's you know it's it's Sazerac, it's it's the big brands they have. You know, I I think it's just that's always going to draw attention in this world uh, because then everybody says, oh, finally I can now get George T. Stack. Or it's like, well, that's that's not you know I'm sure RDC has a decent amount stocked away in warehouses, but. In general, they were selling everything they had. So I don't think that's going to change. But I think just because of the brand attention that Sazerac has with their bourbons, it's automatically going to be more noteworthy than others. Well, it's it's a good question because when I first saw this, all of the headlines were producer of Pappy and BTAC that gets new distributor. I'm thinking, who cares? I didn't even I didn't even open the links when I first saw them. Wondering why? Why should I care about it? But I think as you're as you've teased out the three topics we're we're going to be covering on it, there's there's a lot going on under the un, under the waves here. Um, and I think Blake hit the big one. That all the rumors that we hear um, and some people vouching for the truth of it of having to buy Fireball and Wheatley vodka and those sorts of things just to get your allocation of of even Eagle Rare and Buffalo Trace. And no one ever knew really what the, you know, what, whether that was driven by Sazerac, which would have been probably illegal, or whether that was a distributor issue. And that's uh, it's a good point Blake makes that maybe they're distancing themselves. I I saw it 
as just a, a, a play. It's always about money. So it's, they can get a better deal by fragmenting it and taking away the leverage that a distributor has for having 30 states under their belt for you. And if they can fragment it, then they've got more power. And that's kind of consistent with what you've seen a lot from Sazerac. Yeah, I think you're you're hitting a good point there because I've talked to other distributors that we also work with and they take our products and put them into quote unquote package deals. So if somebody goes and buys one case of our stuff and two cases of something else and another case of something else, well, they get a break when they hit 25 cases. Doesn't no matter, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's a break of whatever. So they could be, it's not just a Sazerac portfolio, but it could be a lot of things inside of the R&DC portfolio that they are trying to package up to try and get that buying power inside of there as well. Yeah, I think those are both really great points, Blake, that, yeah, the distings themselves, I, I think there's probably some of that. I don't, and obviously this is all speculation, but... Uh, I've trained you guys very well. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, we just need to start every show. The last uh, 72 episodes or 76. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of the bigger brands are with either RNDC or Southern Glacier. And, you know, there's a lot of really big brands with deep pocketbooks competing for attention. And so my thought is like, okay, Sazerac looks at this and says, okay, well, we're sitting here as Kenny and I are learning incentives move product in the marketplace and the, whether you like it or not, that's just the way it goes. And it's, it's the way it is. So Sazerac may be looking at this, like taking advantage and saying like, well, if we move away from R and DC where we're competing against heaven Hill or Centauri or Brown Foreman or others, you know, we can go to a mid to small side distributor that we're their only big person that they have to compete with. And they're going to put all their attention and all their focus on us. And we don't have to get involved with all that noise and mess that you're having to deal with Republic and, uh, you know, Southern Glacier or whatnot. And so, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of things going on. I really wish we could find it all out. Cause there, it's such a, the three tier system. I think it just shows once again, how flawed it is. You know, it's really, um, just the, there, there's so many inner workings that people just don't understand. And we're, you know, Kenny and I are learning that unfortunately, but, um, it's, uh, I don't know. That's maybe one way I see Sazerac. They're they're pretty brilliant, you know, in business strategy. And I could see them saying, look, let's get away from our competition and go and take advantage of these mid mid to small companies and see if they can, uh, we can get a better deal, but we're also going to get all the focus and whatnot. And like you said, it's package deals. We're not going to be involved with those anymore and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. That's just my thought. But we'll we'll move into topic two. So I'll I'll rest my case with that. After we get Eric's opinion, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think you're you're right about the focus because I think Sazerac is, you know, they have all their brands and all their products and they're all their little babies. And, you know, they're not seeing the distributor give them enough attention. So they're kind of looking like, oh, we're not getting, you know, the returns and that sort of thing that our brand deserves. So they're, they're looking to see who else out there that, you know, wants to pay them the attention that they think they deserve. And I think this always comes down to these, these big plays like this. It's always these big companies, they're looking for control and money. I think it's exactly what's going on here is they're, they're jumping ship because they want more control of their product and they want to make more money and they want more margins. And, you know, and I think they, they feel like maybe their products aren't being leveraged enough with the current distributor 
I'm sure they're probably setting some crazy margins or, or, or goals that they're they're trying to reach every year, and they're maybe they're unrealistic or not. But you know that's the goals that these big companies set, and they're not hitting them with RNDC. So they go, all right, let's let's go someplace else and try here. No, that's very true. I also want to. There's another great idea, or should I say, another kind of angle to this that came out. Uh, you can go check it out on YouTube. Bourbon Real Talk, Randy Sullivan. He made a very good. Very good clickbaity type of title that said, now that Sazerac's moving away from RNDC, will there be more Pappy on the shelves? But he did say that, and this is a, is a really good thought process into here, is that perhaps they had too many eggs in one basket. Because if you have all of your chips here, I guess you could say, well, how many analogies can we throw at it? But if you put them all in one spot and you have a problem with one region or you make a deal with one region that's different than another region, then all of a sudden you've got this crosstalk that happens and everything starts getting out of balance. And so that's one of the other reasons that potentially or potentially you move away from this. Uh, I always say one throat to choke. Ryan always says one check to write sort of mentality. And you move into something that is, yes, it's a little more, I guess you could say distributed is actually the right word to use. But for the most part, it, it it's going to it's going to create again more individual relationships more individual types of transactions that you'll have to take care of instead of potentially being a, an overarching uh, matter of this but the way that we're learning into this i don't think it really matters whether you have one big distributor or whether you have a bunch of small distributors you're still working with all of them individually and regionally so that was uh, it was one thing to kind of talk about and, and look into there but I, I kind of saw that as as another kind of little bit of an aspect I think that people might you know, take note of too. You know, I try to relate to other people that own businesses and I'm like, imagine that you have to sell your product to a place that controls where your product goes and then another person has to sell your product to this place. And it's like, there's so much out of your control with this three-tier system. And yeah, I think this is just, you know, I think they have more leverage with a smaller to mid-sized distributor that they can really push them around. And, you know, with Republican Southern, this is going to be a huge hit to them, but still they're going to be just fine. But, you know, to a small to mid-sized distributor, you, you staff and prepare for all this and you don't do whatever they say. Basically, whoever is taking on their business is going to be a puppet, you know, for Sazerac from now on. And is going to do, they're going to say, jump, how high? And they're going to do exactly what Sazerac wants. So I think, you know, as Eric said, the control factor is a very important part in this. Yeah. And Kenny saying throat to choke, it's really nice that you can tell who's the, the relationship person in this business. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is funny because, you know, I was going to say like Sazerac and Buffalo Trace have always been big proponents of the three tier system. And it's almost like, you know, Southern and RNBC are the, that's what we all think of the three-tier system, you know, this massive distributor that kind of controls the whole demographic country, every, everything within alcohol. And now they're like, eh, we don't like that. We're going to go find somebody else. It's like, so, so it's almost a little bit contradictory, it seems like, but may, maybe I'm digging a little too deep there. Yeah, if I if, but if I'm a small to mid-sized brand that's with one of the current that we're, I see that list of distributors that Sazerac's moving to, I'm going, oh shit, this sucks. You know, I'm no longer going to be the focus. I'm going to have to start to like really work hard for my for attention and whatnot. I might be looking somewhere else. I don't know. It's uh, I would hate that. You know that, and that's what's that's what's going to get 
I think I fear for, you know, those, the brands that brought these mid to small size distributors to the, to where they are, are going to get forgotten. And I hope that doesn't happen, you know? Well, that's good. I think we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll line this up and start moving to that second portion of talking about the distributor aspect of this. And what does it mean for the distributors that are getting access to this and, and everything like that too? Because I've heard a bunch of different numbers thrown around that Sazerac has, I don't know, what, 700 or there's another zero, maybe there's 7,000 SKUs or something like that. And as a distributor, that is a lot to take on. If you, as, as Ryan said, there's, you have this, this sort of, back and forth to try to figure out if I'm already with one of those distributors, now what happens to me? Am I getting lost in the shuffle? Are they going to be able to bring in more staffing to be able to take care of this entire portfolio that's going to be over there? Because if it's just the same salespeople that are going out there, well, they're going to go for the easy sale. They're getting paid on a percentage point no matter what. So they're going to take the easy sale when it comes to it. And they don't have to worry about selling anything else. Now, you do have the other side of this, Ryan, where if Sazerac comes in, well, as a retailer, they're they're going to be they're going they're going to want to listen to everything that particular distributor has to say. So if they have something new on the truck, well, all right, whatever mid mid size distributor, let me go ahead and hear your pitch because I want access to all your Buffalo Trace stuff. So potentially there is an opportunity in there, but I I would lean more towards your thought process too. Maybe because I'm more of a pessimistic when it comes to it, and not really looking at the the glass half full, but that's, that's the way I would look at it as well. Yeah. And if, you know, as BT said in the chat, if I'm a brand that was it with Republic, I'd be thrilled that <laughs> Sazerac left, you know, it's one less uh, big dog you got to compete with. I mean, that's a, uh, you know, I'm sure all the other brands work on Republic are, you know, pumping fists and stuff like, yes, a little less crowded, a little room to breathe. Yeah. Now, the, the distributors to the point of, of them, you know, jump uh, saying how high when Sazerac jumps. I mean, that that's going to lead to problems too. So hopefully they keep their independence because the, for whatever all its failings are, the three tier system separates those tiers on purpose so that you don't have the producer calling those shots and leading to, to tied house problems. So there's, there's some potential there. Um, if, if that's the, the purpose of this is to get more control. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, I mean, there's a lot more things that I could see coming from the distribution side of, of how this is going to either play in the short term and the long term. In the short term, there's definitely going to be a scramble. Uh, once this all goes into effect beginning of February here very, so very soon, I think that you're going to see a large transition period happening where brands don't, uh, people don't know where they're getting it from. They don't know how it's coming in. As I mentioned earlier, if there's really you know, three zeros worth of SKUs on the end of something like this. Just a logistical matter for some of these particular distributors is going to be a nightmare because I know what it's like to fill out a new item form for creating one new bourbon that we had to get in a portfolio. Shit, I couldn't imagine doing that for 7,000 items. So I think there's uh, there's definitely going to be an, a backlog of just paperwork and what it takes to just build the infrastructure to get something ready for something like this. Um, and then not only that is, I mean, just talking about infrastructure, you're talking about more product, bigger warehouses, more trucks, everything like that, that needs to be able to take in to account for something like this. But it'll be interesting to see exactly how these distributors are going to start playing out. And as we start talking about the distributor aspect, and as well as the producer side of things, just because we see this first domino fall, I don't know if I call it a domino, but we see this sort of shakeup happen. 
do you think other brands, other big brands might get the same idea where you're going to see a Diageo or a Pernod or somebody like this that says, you know what, they might, they might be onto something here. Let's go ahead and start exploring these options. And what could that mean is sort of like a trickle down effect too. Nobody speak up at once. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like, what, what kind of effect are we talking about? Is it effect to the consumer, which is typically what we talk about here, but y- you know, Yes, and I think it could have a small effect to the consumer of what you walk in and see on your shelf every day or at your local liquor store. But in general, it probably won't. That'll probably be all behind the scenes stuff that we see. And it could even open up the way for like some smaller brands to get in there. It's like if you've got this kind of mid-level distributor that now has a major brand like Sazerac or, you know, say a Pernod, they may also get some other smaller craft brands or producers into more shelves and that kind of thing because people want the the bigger brand so it could ultimately be a win at the end of the day but for the most part i don't think that would affect kind of the day-to-day walk in a liquor store find a new bottle type of type of event so it's hard to speculate on if you'll see a trickle down effect because we don't know why exactly they did this but uh 2023 uh, predictions (laughs) that's right um yeah it's i i don't know it it is kind of head scratching because you 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 know like you said you you look and you like and as blake got said also you know republic and southern have the most resources out of any distributor and it's like okay it, it seems like you're kind of taking a step back in that regard so i don't know i, I think sazerac's just always been very rogue and you know how they do business and uh you know obviously it's done very well for them i mean they keep continue to make good moves so i don't know it's uh that, that's all you can say, really. I, I'm going to pull a Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. I mean, everything they've done may be contrarian, but it ends up working at least for them. So as much as I'm scratching my head about this and seeing the problems and the challenges in it, uh, you got you to gotta defer with this kind of track record. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see here over the next few years if it continues to be this uh, vastly distributed model or whether they start consolidating again and kind of see where that goes. Eric, I'll let you chime in here. Yeah. um, Let's see. I live in New York state and this wasn't on the list of states that's being affected, but at the same time I had learned a good couple weeks ago into in December that the distributor, the Sazerac distributor here, it was changing to a new one. So it wasn't, I don't know how this whole thing works, but so what they're changing to is they're going back to this just distributor that they had a bunch of years ago. So they had one a bunch of year, years ago. They switched to another one they've had for five, six, seven years. And now they're going back to that original one. You know, and then we're talking about the trickle down effect to, to consumers. And really during that time, I personally didn't see any change for, you know, in my in me getting anything Buffalo Trace related. It, you know, the BTAC was still the same. Everything was the same. Everything along their products, at least in our bourbon world, I, you know, fireball and all that other stuff that they, they own. I wasn't noticing, but yeah. So I guess that's kind of an easy way to transition into the last component of this. And we'll talk about the, the end consumer and the retail side of things and and will this change and will we see any difference? So as Blake had hinted at the very beginning here is that one of the potential reasons of going this route is to start breaking up that, that idea that there's too many sort of side games or anything like that, side deals that are happening that are potentially stopping stores from being able to do this. Because if there's a store that is paying 
X amount of dollars to get a few different allocated bottles, well, they're still going to continue to sit there and raise prices at the end of the day and, and have those secondary market sales numbers that are secondary prices that you're going to see for sale on the shelf at their store. As we continue going down here, as a, and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll save my comments for last here, but what do you all think? Do you think anything's going to change for the end consumer or is this just going to be business as usual? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. What do you all think? Do you think anything's going to change for the end consumer or is this just going to be business as usual? I'd say with 100% certainty, you'll be able to get Pappy next year after this switch. <laughs> <laughs> 2023 prediction right yeah, there. Yeah, bold 2023 prediction. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, I, I I really don't. And and if we look at, I was trying to find a list of brands that Sazerac has before the show to put in the notes, but I'm sure we can find that. But what we're talking about here is a billion-dollar company and but the bourbons we actually care about is probably like, you know, what, maybe 10 million of that. If, if we talk about limited allocated bourbon, um, maybe 20. So in general, I think it's just going to be the same thing. I mean, it's just the nature of these products. So I don't know if that makes me just way too pessimistic about the whole thing, but I don't think anything's going to change, improve or vice versa. So I think if anything, we'll have more surprises, um, and maybe that'll maybe that means it stays exactly the same as it is now. But with this fragmentation, you're going to have w- different problems showing up at these different distributors all over the country, and some will get more from uh, from Sazerac, some will get less. You don't know who that's going to be. You don't know they're not going to have a consistent approach to their their pricing or who they give it to or why they give it to certain stores so 
it's just, we don't know. And it's going to be a surprise in all of these different jurisdictions. Do you think stores will have a better direct correlation or relationship with Sazerac through this? Or do you think it's still going to be through the distributor and the distributor is going to decide exactly how they allocate barrels, how they allocate Pappy, how they allocate this stuff? Do you think there's going to be a bigger, I guess you'd say, stronghold from Sazerac because they're going to have a little bit more influence into this now? They, there better not be with the tied house rules. Um, it better be the distributor that has those um, that control. I was going to say, uh, uh, on paper, it is. <laughs> but, I mean, that kind of to Eric and Ryan's point earlier, that control factor, got to think that plays a role. But maybe we're speculating too much at that point. There's a lot of talk of Buffalo Trace, um, or maybe it's Sazerac, having job listings on their website for a bunch of new sales positions. Not sales positions, but like reps or brand reps or something like that. And I guess... You know, there's a the theory that they're going to have their own set of reps going to go out in there and, you know, hyping up the brands, both to the stores, the customers, on top of the distributor reps already doing what they're doing. So, it, it, you know, if this is true, if this is or is it just what, you know, every brand does this or not, or if this is a new thing that they're trying to really push forward or having their controlling their own set of brand reps going out and trying to push something and not relying on just the distributor reps trying to push their product. Yeah, I think I think the whole fascinating thing about this, and I really was hoping, I, I think it was like last year when like the Biden administration said the FTC or whoever was going to investigate, you know, like beer and spirits distribution and unfair and whatnot. And I, I think this too will, it, actually nobody will give a shit, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they just care if they find Pappy on the shelf, but I mean, this this three tier system is deeply flawed, and you know it's there's so many work inner workings that people don't understand, and that that even that this something like this as a headline is fascinating because you know typically a brand or you know a company should be able to distribute and sell their product however they want, you know, and but they can't; they got to go through different companies who have a say in how their brands distributed and this and that, and then you have stores that represent. And so I don't know. I, I hope this maybe will give some more exposure to how screwed up this whole system is, but probably won't. And uh, there's going to be no change for the consumers. I, I'm sorry. They're absolutely zero. I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be business as usual, just with a different company, you know, that they can probably have a little bit more leverage with. I think that's probably the game here depends how much beer you you buy because a lot of these distributors are actually more beer related distributors rather than alcohols or spirits so interesting to kind of see them move to that play as well so i want to say they saw beer die and they're like oh, we better get <laughs> we're in <laughs> we need high noon or fireball <laughs> nobody wants hazy ipas anymore nope <laughs> well i mean i think that's we, we touched on a, a lot of different angles there and i think we all kind of come to the agreement that I don't think you're going to see anything change for the end consumer. It's still going to be just as hard to find everything that you see. I don't feel that their allocation or where they sell to is going to change any difference. You have this mixed perception of, well, why can I find Weller all the time in Ohio, but I can't find it anywhere else? Or I can find Eagle Rare here, 
Buffalo Trace and Costco and California stock, but I can't get it anywhere else in the world. So I think they're not going to change exactly where they distribute to and how they get it out. You're still going to have this uh, this potential backlog of product coming out. But this is always just hats off to Buffalo Trace. They continue to make great products at a relatively inexpensive price. There were some other comments here in the chat about, are we going to see prices start coming down closer to SRP? at some of those states where you don't necessarily have control states. No, that's not going to change because you're still going to have the supply and demand issue. So unfortunately, you're still going to be paying, uh, you know, I don't know, $200 when you go over a 10 or some shit like that. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. but and, and some store owners will tell you like, well, I price it at, you know, five, $700 a bottle because I had to buy that much Wheatley. And this is how I got to compensate, you know, to, and I'm like, I don't know. I think you're just being <laughs> Uh, I think that's bullshit, but whatever. I don't know, but maybe not. Yep. I don't know. There, there's, like I said, it's a fucked up system. So, yes, it is. It is. But we will see. Hopefully, we'll see this change here in the next few years with Buffalo Trace putting close to a billion dollars into their infrastructure of what they're pushing and creating. Maybe the 2029 prediction is we'll start seeing Van Winkle tenure at least a little bit on the shelves. Who knows? I don't know. That's that's probably a flawed idea, too. But let's go ahead and let's start making our 2023 predictions. So I think this is something that we have uh, only semi gotten right one or so times on the show before. But I'll go ahead and open it up and kind of figure out, like, what do you all feel? What do you feel is going to be a prediction that's going to come true? We know that more celebrities are going to bourbon, right? Checkbox that. We know there's probably going to be an acquisition. Checkbox that. So let's get a little bit more narrow. Let's get let's get some good ideas rolling. I'll I'll turn it over and figure out who who wants to go first and kind of give that. I'll I'll jump. Blake usually usually jumps on the prediction, but I'm going to get mine out of the way. So I just get people the, can laugh the at general it. one out of the way first, so then I always sound <laughs> right at the end of the year. Yeah. So don't take that strategy from me. <laughs> Kenny, no, Kenny, Kenny, shut you down on that strategy this year. <laughs> All right. So part of this people might think is just being hopeful, but. I, I really think prices are going to stabilize in 2023, and I've got a I've got a side note to this too about shrinkflation. But um, I look look at how long ago tur Wild Turkey's new still went online. That was like six seven years ago, right? Look at how long ago makers had their hidden mirrored stills behind that wall go online. That's been about six years. Um, everybody's increased production is now getting to that age where it's five, six, seven years old. And there's been zero progress on opening up India and China. So I think we are going to hit, we're going to start hitting a year of the first year of true glut, and that's going to keep prices where they are. Now, the second part of this is during COVID, the 700 milliliter bottle got approved. And I think we're going to have, even if it's the same price, there's going to be some shrink shrinkflation. We're going to see major producers this year move from 750s to the 700. Then everybody will follow suit and it'll be consistent between here and Europe. And it's going to be in search of 750s on online. Um, that's so kind of a two-part prediction, but they're related. I like that. I like that. I mean, I love if, that. yeah, we all, we talked about the 700 for a while and when that would potentially be the the only thing that starts becoming a little more universal and you're right as we start going through here you're going to see 
the price stay the same, but 50 milliliters just disappear off the shelf. Well, and a lot of people, producers have probably, since that got in, announced, have moved through their glass, you know, inventory and can start making room for the 700 ml. So I like that, Brian. You're, I know you're, you're the attorney on this curve. That's, uh, that's why we like you. <laughs> well, I, it, I'll, I'll be wrong about this, but that's, that's my prediction. I, I like the 700 ml. We just got one of our first releases in 700 mls for a seal box. And I was like, oh, I, I forgot they could legally do that now, which I think will be big for a lot of people who are in, you know, international markets. Um, I'm trying to make mine not as broad, but, uh, you, you know, it's the comedian Brian Regan where he has a, a bit about who, who's the cranberry salesman. There's cranberries everywhere. Like, I don't think bourbon is going to slow down at all. I think it's going to be more and more places, more and more things. With that being said, I kind of take the opposite approach of Brian. I think prices are going to just keep getting jacked up. It's going to be way more $100 bottles on the on the uh, shelf everywhere with a bunch of different brands. And so I still think we got two or three more years of just brands coming out of the woodworks, all these new different producers, blenders, whatever it may be, before we actually see a slowdown of that. So that, that's kind of like a 2023 and beyond prediction. My kind of big 2023 prediction is the slowdown of barrel picks. I think we'll see far less groups just doing a thousand different barrels and all of that. You know, I think blends will be big. There'll still be some that do the, the, the major brands and that kind of thing. But in general, I don't think you'll see each new group that pops up has a new pick that they, that they sell. So um, I, I think that's a really big change that we'll see, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, I'm glad you went because Damn it, Blake, you actually stole my prediction. It's my, only because we had a no. phone call the other day, me and Blake. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my, Ryan, my prediction keyed me in on uh, what you're going to say. Ah, smart move, smart move. I mean, my prediction was that 2023, 2023 would be the death of the mid-tier barrel pick. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see this continuing to go. People have gotten so, like, there's, 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 everybody's shelves are stocked liquor stores are going to start pushing away unless it comes from the big six. So unless you're getting a Russell's or four roses or an Elijah Craig or one of those, they're not going to, nobody's going to be biting on it anymore. So if you're wheeling and dealing five-year-old MGP and you're not doing some crazy toasted finish or whatever that people are trying to chase after, and if you're doing that, I feel like that's going to start tailing off too. There is just going to be a big glut of those sitting around. And to even kind of go what Brian was saying, we are going to start seeing a little bit of this glut because, yes, the buying habits of consumers are starting to change. They're starting to pull back just a little bit. And I think that's just because of the past few years, there was a, just a big buying frenzy. Now, I don't think that people are going to stop getting into bourbon. I think the category will continue to grow, but it's not going to be this people like us. The people like us have now gotten to the point where it's and most people on the chat and if you're listening to this show. All of us have at least 40 to 400 bottles. So the need to go out and rush and buy the next thing will probably start slowing down. And I don't know if that's an economics thing or a, an inflation thing where people are going to do it. But it, I think it's just to the point where, gosh, Ryan, I think you said it best the other day when we started talking about stuff like this. And you go, we talked about barrel picks being the unicorns of bourbon 
And now we're like, well, now there's a unicorn at every single store. And not only that, there's 10 of them. So it's not really a unicorn anymore. It's they've just become so saturated in the market. Yeah. I mean, you used to, if you were a store and got a barrel pick, even if it was a mid tier brand, you know, that was very rare. You know, New Riff made a killing. You had an opportunity, you know, four, three or four years ago that the big six were scrambling to just to get standard product on the shelf and new riffs like well and that so they couldn't offer single barrel picks but new riffs like here you know we have single barrel picks and then all of a sudden like every mid-brand you know it was but now i think the big six have enough inventory that they can fulfill single barrel picks and so it's kind of squashing out and making those mid-tiers less interesting to consumers but i do think how many predictions do i get i got a like five (laughs) (laughs) how about you give one and then we'll go to eric (laughs) well we'll let eric go first all right i got like five too so here's a couple here real quick um kind of the piggyback on blake was saying i do kind of agree with brian that i think maybe prices will settle a little bit but i think there's going to be a major expansion in the ultra premium category we've talked about this quite a bit on breaking bourbon you know i think everyone 99 percent of consumers hate the $500 bourbon, but I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's going to expand like crazy because the couple of brands that have been doing it are seen maybe successful doing it and more are doing it, more will follow. Um, it's just if if the bourbon or the, the whiskey in the bottle is warrants that price tag is going to be the, the deciding factor. And then my follow-up would be if uh, American Single Malt gets approved by the TTP, you know, how much is that going to drive that type of whiskey in the American market and the, the remaining kind of big Kentucky distilleries that don't have a single malt currently on the uh, on the market or have announced that they have one? Do they have one? You know, have they been working on that quietly and will they announce one this year? Let's let's touch on that a little bit. So do you oh, think the, one of my uh, predictions? Go ahead. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, wanna, I just want to touch on a little bit like is because the idea of doing an American single malt. Is the idea of that just because now you're going to be competing against scotch and single malts like that because that's what the consumers think? Like that's what they gravitate towards? Or is it because that's what the consumer actually wants? No. I think there's there's some a little bit of both. There's like I think a lot of learning and kind of adjusting to it. I think it's still foreign to a lot of whiskey or bourbon drinkers. Um, you know, it's a little more of an acquired taste. It is quite a bit different. But it's also going to be an American single malt versus a scotch. So I think that's going to drive some interest. Okay. I was like to say, it was like, I still like my sweet corn. So I want to keep throwing that in there unless, you know, you just yeah. malt on, you just malt on my corn. <laughs> but you got, Jack, you got Jack Daniels releasing a single malt this year. I mean, right. that, that's humongous. That's telling. Yeah. I mean, Kenny and I just had, uh, you know, one of my predictions, and this is kind of being playful, but. So rare character will come out with a Kentucky single malt, and then you will see other source brands follow it, just like Amber on a cask. And so, you know, we had rare characters, Kentucky single malt, and we we're like, shit, <laughs> it's pretty good, you know? And so some Kentucky producers have been doing it for a while. I mean, that's got a pretty good age statement on it, didn't it, Kenny? Yeah, it was the, 12, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. So uh, somebody's been doing it for a while and had it in inventory. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, just to kind of play on... I, th- I think, I think bourbon category will still grow um, because I think a lot of consumers who got into it in the last, say, you know, from 2020 to now, they're going through the same process that we went to. And, you know, they got excited about it because of 
Sazerac products, great Heaven Hill products for roses, but they're kind of tired of like being let down just like we are. And I think there's like opportunity for mid-sized brands who are putting quality products at a good price, you know, probably in that 40 to like, I'd say a hundred dollar range that put out something consistently that's available. I think consumers are going to move away from single barrel picks to kind of something. And and this may be a wish list too. consumers are going to move from, uh, you know, those single barrel picks and those LTOs to like something I'm tired of chasing, but I really like bourbon and I want to find something that's consistent quality and available. I think MGP brands will lose steam this year because you have BBC, Green River, and Wilderness Trail brands that are starting to hit that five, six-year-old range. And you have a lot of non-Kentucky brands that had their whiskey starting to hit, you know, five, six years old and offer a ton of good flavor. And so I think consumers are going to shift that even maybe away from, you know, the big six because they've been entrenched with them for the three, three, four years that they've been, but they're like, okay, here's this exciting brand over in Missouri or in Maryland or you name it that has six-year-old whiskey now. I'm going to try it. And so I think there's a, if you have a good available product, you know, at a decent price range, that's not Kentucky, that's got a decent age statement on it. I think there's a huge opportunity for that. I like how you're saying that because I'm sitting here, I'm drinking Bardstown's origin series as you sit here and talk about it. So right. Yeah. I mean, I just think one of those things. Bardstown coming out with their own product. You know, there's a lot of brands contract to still there. I think them coming out with their own stuff, people trying it's at a great price point. I think it's what, $45, $50 and it's great whiskey. I think it'll get people more interested in brands that have been contract distilling there for a while. And then two, I think this is my last one. Sorry. I had a bunch of <laughs> let's, let's, is this a, it's just Wait, a Ryan two? show. It, here's the thing is that if he gets <laughs> one right, hours. he can at least, at, he can at the end of the year, the year he can go, hey, I got it right. That's all that matters. And, and did you hear he started that by saying two, but he's on like seven. Yeah. <laughs> well, I asked how many do I get, and I just went on with the whatever. But they kind of played on your alls that you said too. So I think RTDs will continue to grow as a category. I think, you know, with uncertain economic times, I think people will spend more time at home. I think a lot of brands figured out, you know, RTDs are in kind of how to best utilize them and probably just improved them over the last year. And I think you'll just have more and better RTD offerings. And I think that category will continue to grow as with uncertain economic times. All right, Blake, we need to come out with a BCR RTD just because we got to throw all the acronyms on it and let's just figure out how we can just create like nine letters <laughs> just, all the way down. Yeah, yeah. No actual words, just a bunch of <laughs> letters. Like, Oh, it's, it's an acronym. Like, sir, that's a paragraph. Let's <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm sure. I mean, those are some some pretty good predictions. Eric, did you have any more that we if we cut you off there? Yeah, no, yeah, I see I had some fun ones here. Um just some potential products. How about a Woodford single barrel, finally? Eh? Ooh. Ooh. I, I've been saying this for years and years and years. I don't think we'll ever see one, but I, I would love to see one. You know, yeah, I mean they've a, got a distillery their... only or you know, however they do it, but they got their batch proof, you know, they got, got the double other... single barrels, didn't they? That's a, that's a blend, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a blend. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. They blend it and then finish it right as a single barrel. So I still think four roses is going to be sold. In, uh, <laughs> 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 we'll go ahead and just put that in with an asterisk with Fred next to it. Got it. And then Fred just a couple days ago was talking about, uh, you know, see if there was any interest in a 12 years ma- maker's mark. So we're going to see that this year. 
I don't know. That's what I'll, I'll give it to, to Jeremy there here on the chat. He goes, put an H statement in the bottle for Maker's Mark. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. They've got. Never. They've got their. I'd love to see it. You know, like, they rotate barrels. Apparently, still, still yet to see a barrel rotated when I've been on campus, though. <laughs> it's right above that glass. You know, they're they're rolling across the glass when you. Oh yeah, and the Chululi. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Was that it, Eric? Did you have another uh, one? I got a few more fun ones. Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. If we got the time, all right. Uh, nothing, not overly specific, but are we going to see a new product from Buffalo Trace or for Four Roses? And it seemed like it's been a long time since we've seen a brand new product from them or something that's a wide release. No, so, I'm ready to for that. call. Uh, people have talked about Four Roses Rye. I know BT just put in here Four Roses Rye for a few yeah. years now. It's been it's been teased. Time and time again, talking to Brent Elliott, I actually had I had written down an, an earlier prediction that says, "Will we see another color of W.L. Weller come out this year?" I don't think so, but it's a possibility. The the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say chance. that. And what what's the new E.H. Taylor going to be? You know, where are we at in their their experimental releases? Uh, rice grain. Oof, I don't know. Hey, we'll have to just check coming whiskey on Instagram because he seems to be on top of it all the time. And then I, the last one would be: uh, Are we is cigar batch going to be the the finish or the blend of twenty twenty three? We're going to see a ton more. I just reviewed the uh, Starlight Cigar oh. Batch, and it just it's on my mind right now. If you know, is that the next hot? Because we we saw so much rum the last year or two. You know, it seems like that. Well, I'm sure we'll see more of that. But is cigar batch going to be the new? Well, I think that that has a pull. Ryan said Arbor. earlier, you know, Ambarana had a pull. Like I hope that dies, Ambarana. I hope that <laughs> my prediction it dies in 2023. Yeah, one more good Ambarana that's going to come out in 2023, then it can die. But, you know, let's just get <laughs> one more in. Let's see what just, happens. Just slide one more. Maybe yeah, we'll watch one more, TV this week to see what got approved on Friday. One, Use your powers One for more good, on Steelbox, and that's it. No more. <laughs> <laughs> then we're done. We're done, I swear. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, guys, these are some good 2023 predictions. We'll be able to circle back here, I would say, probably here in the next, well, 12 months. We'll see if anybody got them correct or not. But, you know, we'll, right, uh, one, one more bold prediction. Who works? do you think will get acquired? You got to do it rapid fire. Penelope. Ooh, that was going to be mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was writing that down because I said, if we're going to come out and we're going to say who's going to get Acquired, that was already one on top of my mind. Uh, I'd say Barrel or Penelope are definitely up there for, for Acquired. Uh, another one, because it just seems being like the trend where it's, um, it's you know, they're buying for production capacity. So one I think gets overlooked is Southern Distilling um, in, uh, I forget which part of North Carolina, but they've got really good capacity. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody went and scooped them up because they're making some some good stuff. Brian or Eric, you got any? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I had Barrel on my list or uh, Westward. Ooh, Westward. Oh, there you go. One. Yeah. American Single Malt. That's a good one, Eric. People need to add it to their portfolio. So I, I can't say Four Roses, right? <laughs> you could say, but <laughs> you know, say. it's not going to happen. Um, I I think there's going to be more consolidation with the with the big ones and because they're like um, Pernod Ricard owning kind of too many right now right so do they flip rabbit hole for example so that that that's my prediction they they flip it to somebody they flip rabbit hole to somebody else interesting i like that one i mean they just put down what 200 million dollars for jefferson's 
Is that the is that the number they did for their their new yep. place? So they've yeah, so they've got Jefferson's um and they'll they'll focus on that. They'll have an experience or whatever, but they'll uh they're looking for ROI and they'll flip rabbit hole. Interesting. Good take. Good take. Well, we'll see what happens here. There's a few people in the chat. BT said smoke wagon. I don't know. I don't know if I'll see smoke wagon. Uh Dennis Weaven said old elk. Possible. We'll see what happens there as well. Both MGP brands. Interesting. So who knows if uh, they'll get swooped up it's by the squid. by the mothership? Yeah, Frozen Squid, not MGP. I know. I keep <laughs> messing up. I keep messing up. Thanks for keeping me on point there. But that is going to wrap it up for Bourbon Community Roundtable number seventy six. And I forgot to do it when we first opened it up. I we just dove into it. I didn't let these guys give an introduction. So as we start closing it down here, guys, go ahead and please give a quick little blurb on where people can find you and how they can learn more about what you're doing as well. So Blake, we'll start with you as if people don't know you because you've been on here 76 times already. Yeah. You know, uh, rain Slater Disney, uh, I'm Blake from Sealbox. <laughs> um, so always fun to be here. I think this is probably one of the most fun episodes we do because it, it makes us really look at like what's going on in the industry, what's going to happen in the future and kind of give our bold predictions, which are normally wrong, which I think that's any prediction. So no guys, always, always fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Perfect. Brian. Yeah. Thanks for being, having me on number 76, Brian with sip and corn. Find me at sippincorn.com, the socials and bourbon justice. And, uh, and I've got behind me a still. So my prediction for 2023 might've been, you know, my house blows up when I try to actually use the thing, but I got it off of, of an estate sale. So, you know, it's legit. Yeah, it's from Stephen Thompson. <laughs> so, you know, it's legit. Um, maybe I can just drop it off at uh, at our, our local um, Vendome and see if they can make it sound for me. But uh, that's what Stephen would have done. <laughs> you know, just that's drop what it. he would have done. And then he's sipping some corn. So thanks, guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Just make sure you keep your vision. Make sure you keep those heads and hearts and tails all all in line there all right eric your turn sure i'm eric from breaking bourbon um glad to be back again usually the other guys are on but uh i'm trying to make an effort to come on you know more than i usually am hey we're um, glad you're here yeah thank you um and you can find us at breakingbourbon.com and we have reviews articles and uh, release calendar updates all week long awesome well, thanks, guys. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, everybody that was joining here in the live chat as well. We'll be back next month, probably not giving any predictions, but we'll also have just another new set of topics that we'll talk about what's new and hot and happening inside of the bourbon world. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week.